Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Islam for Christians, episode 85. Biblical Figures in Islam, part 13. The New Testament. Holy parents not named Mary or Joseph. So here we are. We made it to the New Testament. Although I should warn you up front, we still have a very long time to go until we get to the Islamic Jesus. Mainly because... This might surprise you a little bit. There are many, many Islamic figures that predate Jesus that are actually New Testament figures. And pretty much all of them are part of the Holy Family. I mean, literally, the Holy Family. All these people were related. And the Quran does mention the, the parents or the grandparents of three massive, massive religious figures in the future. And those three are Mary, John the Baptist, and of course, Jesus. This episode is about their parents. For those familiar with the New Testament, you probably know that John the Baptist and Jesus were family. Um, the nativity stories of John the Baptist and Jesus are usually intertwined. You know, and the same holds true in Islam. Mary and Elizabeth were relatives. You know, Mary being Jesus's mother and Elizabeth being John the Baptist's mother. And not only that, they had overlapping pregnancies. So John would be first, you know, as always, paving the way for Jesus. So let's start there. Uh, basically, we're going to go over the parents of John the Baptist and the parents of Mary. John was first, and John's parents, uh, particularly Zechariah, who was John's father, they're mentioned far more than the parents of Mary are mentioned in the Quran. So, John, let's go to the beginning here. John had not been born yet. Now, John's parents, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were advancing in age. Elizabeth was barren, and at their age, they had just come to accept it. You know, you get to a certain age, you say, okay, well, if I haven't done it yet, I'm probably not going to do it, you know, be it <laughs> mountain climbing or having children. Now, most of us know what comes next, because in both religions, Elizabeth gives birth to a child through a Sarah-style miracle, you know, an old woman giving birth, and she would have a child and she's told that she should name it John. This was revealed by the angel Gabriel. And again, in both stories, Zechariah does not believe that his wife could actually become pregnant. And as punishment for his lack of faith, or as a sign, as we'll see later, he loses his voice for a while. Now, here's how the Quran tells this story. This is the Pictal translation. This is the Quran, uh, Surah 19, the Surah of Mary, Verses 7 to 10. O Zechariah, we bring thee tidings of a son whose name is John. We have given the same name to none before him. Now he said, he being Zechariah, My Lord, how can I have a son when my wife is barren and I have reached an infirm old age? And he said, So shall it be. Your Lord says, It is easy to me. And indeed, I created you before, 
when you were nothing. He said, Zechariah, my Lord, give me a sign. Then he said, it's the angel, your sign is that you will not be able to speak to the people three nights while in sound health. Take special notice of the end part there. He will not be able to speak for three days. That is a much, much shorter punishment, you know, or a sign if you prefer, than the one given in the Bible. Because in the Bible, Zechariah was mute all the way through the pregnancy until the day of John's circumcision. So eight days after the pregnant, after the actual delivery of the child. And even then, he actually had to write down the name John to formally name his son. Now, in both tellings, Zechariah is a temple priest. But in the Bible, he was mute for way too long. Way too long to actually hide what was happening. You know, and I assume it interfered with his official duties. People noticed. But in the Quranic version, three days? I mean, you could come up with an excuse for that. A few days is an illness. Uh, a few months is a curse. <laughs> it would have been pretty easy to hide, at least for me. Anyway, Zechariah was a priest and a good man who steadfastly followed the law. He was an aging priest with no son to replace him. And the way God remedies this situation is quite different in the biblical and the Quranic stories, just as Zechariah is a somewhat different character in each one. First, the biblical story. In the biblical story, everything just happens. Events just happen. Zechariah isn't sitting around pining for a son who will be a prophet. It just happens. Zechariah doesn't you know, have a real giant role in the biblical story or really an active role at all. You know, here's an example of what I mean. In the first chapter of Luke, an angel appears to Zechariah. There are no orders given, just proclamations. It's almost as if all of this will happen, regardless of what Zechariah does. He's a very passive figure. You know, he's a background character almost, just mostly a tool to tell us the nativity of John the Baptist. The Bible says, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he shall drink no wine nor strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. In contrast, in the Islamic story, Zechariah can actually claim some credit for getting the ball rolling on this whole John the Baptist situation. Because it's a lament from Zechariah that starts the whole process. He was a man who cried out to God, you know, Old Testament style, cries out to God. And, you know, he is concerned about the future of his family in the temple, but also about the future of Israel. 
In Islam, Zechariah is a prophet, and he was basically asking God to send him a son that would be another prophet. Here's how the Quran tells it. This is Surah 19 again, like the last one. That's the Surah Maryam, the Surah of Mary. Um, this is verses 4 to 6, Pictal translation. A mention of the mercy of your Lord to his servant Zechariah. When he cried unto his Lord a cry in secret, saying, My Lord, the bones of me wax feeble, and my head is shining with gray hair, and I have never been unblessed in prayer to you, my Lord. But I fear my kinsfolk after me, since my wife is barren. Oh, give me from thy presence a successor, who shall inherit of me, and inherit also of the house of Jacob, and make him my Lord, acceptable unto thee. So you see the centrality of Zechariah there, um, but also the active role he's taking in the process. And of course, Zechariah is a central character, regardless of which story you're telling. You know, in the New Testament version, you know, he's still the one who gets the dream. He's the one who is being punished by God. He's the one who ultimately does God's will in naming this child John. Or in Islam, the, the name is actually Yahya. That's with an H in the middle, Yahya. But Zechariah, I think, is much more important in the Islamic story because it's his lament that begins the process of John's birth. He's not a passive actor here. Because even before John, in the Islamic story, Zechariah is a very important prophet, and the first in a string of prophets from the same family. And he'll also play a later role with Mary, interestingly enough. We'll get to that in a bit. But it is only Zechariah's name that is mentioned in the Quran, I should note, not his wife's. She certainly does deserve a mention, <laughs> although she does get one, um, sort of. You know, Elizabeth isn't specifically named in the Quran, but you get the idea. This is a Surah 21, verse 20. It's the Pictal translation. Then we heard his prayer, his being Zechariah, and bestowed upon him John, and adjusted his wife to bear a child for him. Lo, they used to vie one with the other in good deeds, and they cried unto us, longing and in fear, and were submissive unto us. So while the Quran simply mentions Elizabeth as Zechariah's wife, um, it also has a lot of good things to say about her. You know, saying they used to vie with one another in good deeds, meaning mainly Elizabeth is just as good as Zechariah and John. But again, the name, just his wife. We know who that is, though. I mean, so she's there, right? Um, I should mention another translation of this passage, just to give some respect to Elizabeth here. Uh, the Yusuf Ali translation is even more complimentary to Elizabeth than this one. Now, it's unclear whether the people competing in good deeds are Zechariah and John or all three of them at least in the one I read above. But in other translations, like Ali, 
they go out of their way to point out that this was a very holy family, all of them, Elizabeth included, even if her name did not make it. So here's uh, Yusuf Ali's translation of that same passage. So we listened to him, and we granted him Hiaya. Remember, that's John the Baptist. We cured his wife's barrenness for him. These three were ever quick in emulation in good works. They used to call on us with love and reverence and humble themselves before us. You know, so it's a very, very complimentary to Elizabeth here, but she does get the fate of so many women in the Quran who are referenced only by their husbands. The only exception to this would be Mary, and we'll get to Mary, plenty on Mary for sure. But Mary's mother would be treated in the exact same way because Mary's mother is mentioned just as someone's wife. And that person is named Imra. So Imran, Mary's father, is named. Even though the actual person talking here at the end of this passage, I'm going to read for you, not the passage before. This person is not Imran, but Mary's unnamed mother. But still, not only <laughs> is Imran the one that's named, uh, it's this is the Surah of the family of Imran. This is uh, Surah 3, verses 33 to 36. This is the Yusuf Ali translation. And these are the passages about Imran. Now remember, this is a woman that's going to be talking, but she's named as a woman of Imran. <laughs> Her name still doesn't make it, but this is a woman's story. Allah did choose Adam and Noah, the family of Abraham, and the family of Imran, above all people, offspring, one of the other, and Allah heareth and knoweth all things. Behold, a woman of Imran said, O my Lord, I do dedicate unto thee what is here in my womb for your special service. So accept this of me, for you hear and know all things. When she was delivered, she said, O my Lord, behold, I am delivered of a female child, and Allah knew best what she brought forth. And no wise is the male like the female. I have named her Mary, and I commend her and her offspring to your protection from the evil one, the rejected. So here we have the Quran setting up Imran as the patriarch in a new series of prophets, say. A family of prophets, really, just like Adam and Noah and Abraham's descendants. And Mary's parents immediately pray for protection from Satan. And it certainly worked, because whether you're telling the Christian or the Muslim story, you know, Mary was still the pure vessel for the Immaculate Conception. But this is pretty much where we leave her parents in the Quran. Because little is known about Imran and his wife, despite Surah 3, a massive, gigantic Surah being named after them. But it does seem like 
at some point in Mary's childhood, Imran is either dead or gone for some reason. Like he's there and he's gone. You don't really get much of an explanation. Now, a venerated man like Imran obviously would not just leave his family. So I think it's pretty safe to assume that he's just dead by this point. And Mary's mother might be as well. By the time she gets, to, I don't know, you know, teenage years. This is Sora 3, verse 37. And before I read that, though, I should also point out that this kind of parallels the life of another famous prophet, right? You know, Muhammad's father was dead almost immediately when he was born. His mother survived, I think, six years. And then he was taken into the care of a family member. And funny enough, this would exactly be the Islamic version of what happened to Mary in her early life. This is Surah 3, verse 37. Right graciously did her Lord accept her. He made her grow in purity and beauty. To the care of Zechariah she was assigned. Every time that he entered her chamber to see her, he found her supplied with sustenance. He said, O oh Mary, whence comes this to you? She said, From Allah, for Allah provides sustenance to whom he pleases without measure. So, when talking about Mary here, young Mary, we're back to Zechariah as the parent. You know, as I promised, Imran is out, Zechariah is in. So in the Islamic version, Mary is being schooled by her relative, who is also a priest and a prophet. There's also a brief description of how Zechariah came to be Mary's guardian. Basically, there was a uh, casting of lots to take care of Mary, presumably because her parents were dead. And Either that or because she was already revered as a holy person, you know, who will get the privilege of taking care of this woman. So they cast lots to decide, okay, who's going to do this? But God had actually rigged the outcome. You know, he wasn't taking any chances with Mary. And so Zechariah won. And so Mary is placed under the care of Zechariah. And if you're thinking back to the biblical story, no, none of this is in there. Unless I'm having a giant memory lapse, I can't remember anything in the Bible talking about Zechariah having a guardianship over Mary. So in this story, in the Islamic story, Mary is raised by a priest, and she is basically adopted into the family line of priests, meaning she's a descendant of Aaron which is interesting, you know, in a religion like Islam, which is basically resurrecting the old covenant God had with the Israelites and giving it a more universal flavor, you know, kind of Judaism for Gentiles, or in this case, at first, Arabs. Now, Aaron was a priest, and he was loved by God because he followed the rules and he did what he was told. Well, as long as Moses wasn't up on the mountain, he did what he was told for the most part. You know, he was obedient. He was a Muslim. 
Now contrast that with the ancestor most associated with Jesus in Christianity was David. David was a man of great faith, a man after God's own heart. God loved him for his heart, and although he made mistakes, God was merciful with him and promised him great things. David had God's law inscribed on his heart. You know, he was a Christian. Aaron emphasized law. He was a Muslim. David wrote the Psalms, you know. You see the difference in the characteristics there. But the Islamic Zechariah does share one key Christian characteristic, in that Zechariah, in the end, was martyred. Islamic doctrine does seem to hold that Zechariah and his son, John the Baptist, were martyred in the classical Christian style, killed by evil men or mobs or ungodly authorities. And funny enough, I find few Muslim commentators willing to dispute that. Uh, none, actually. So this story really hasn't been modified from the Christian version. These people, Zechariah and his son, they were killed in the way of the Christian Jesus, almost as criminals not as warriors on a battlefield like the saints of Shia Islam. Now, interestingly, after this, the Muslims drew the line with Jesus. You know, the Islamic Jesus would not be killed this way. But as for John the Baptist and his father, that doesn't seem to be disputed. Just a really interesting thing to think about. So we have two prophets killed unjustly by unjust men. It's a very fascinating deviation from the usual Muslim pattern that we see for prophets. So we have a rare man here in Zechariah, an Islamic prophet and a martyr. There aren't too many of those. And his son would be one too. And that's where we're going to go next. Really, I was debating whether to do Mary and then John and then Jesus, but I think this will be easier just to do John first. You know, mainly because John has far, far fewer mentions than Mary and Jesus. So next time, before we get to Mary and then Jesus, we'll talk about John the Baptist, known in Islam as Yahya. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next time. Inshallah. Thank you for listening to Islam for Christians. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep this show ad-free, you can also visit my Patreon page and subscribe. I'm at patreon.com slash Islam for Christians. That's patreon.com slash Islam for Christians.